0: Hello and welcome to the more Ordinary Podcast. I'm John.
1: And I'm Meredith. And
0: we are the Moors. We are ordinary people who have experienced more than ordinary circumstances. Settle in as we discuss ordinary life and its extraordinary potential. So, welcome to this episode of the more Ordinary Podcast. We are actually starting a series about the five stages of grief. Elizabeth Kugler Ross created these five stages of grief theory. And the first one's denial, the next one's anger, then bargaining depression, and then acceptance. And today we're going to talk about the denial phase. Um, denial, also shock. So the initial denial or shock um, after the event itself. And we're going to talk about kind of the two stages of shock. The first stage being kind of that initial, the event itself.
1: Well, the initial shock is could be news that's brought to you.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, or it could be like in our situation, an injury that happened right away that's going to be life-changing a death in the family, a diagnosis, those are the initial shocks that can happen.
0: Right, initially having that event happen or receiving that news or that initial um, blast of change to your life and that initial shock. And you know, kind of like in 9-11 when the planes hit the buildings, there was the initial shock of, I can't believe planes are hitting buildings right now and people are dying and the initial shock itself. And then we're going to talk about how the dust settles and what happens after that dust settles. And for us, there was the initial shock of the accident. And then there was a time period when our focus was, we got to get out of the hospital. And that was our goal. And we got out of the hospital. And then there was this another gap where we had this house that didn't work Well, another house is being built. So we were kind of living for that. Mm -hmm. And then we moved in and got into that new house And then there was a moment we sat there in that house. And I I don't remember a specific moment, but I do remember there being a time when we sat there in that house thinking.
1: What just happened?
0: Yeah, this is it. Like, this is our new normal. This is us now.
1: Yeah. And if you guys think of the visual, I'm sure you guys can remember the images of
0: Mm
1: 9-11. When the dust settled, there was that sense of just kind of quiet Mm -hmm. of what just happened. And that's kind of where we were when we finally got to the house, and so that's that second shock of what just happened, and and some of the other feelings that can come in denial are the shock, um, fear, confusion, and I think we were feeling all of those. Yeah. At that time.
0: Yeah, and the, the buildings fell, and you saw that the skyline was different, and now we're sitting there, and there's this calmness in the house, but also there's this underlying denial and and shock of this is who we are now. Like one of us doesn't walk anymore Mm -hmm. and our life is so much different than it looked like a month ago or two months ago. Yeah. And coming to grips with that and the Elizabeth Kugler Ross, the five stages, she originally created them as far as the stages of grief and this, and the stages of grief that a person goes through after someone dies. We later learned through counseling, and we'll talk about that later. We later learned about the fact that we were mourning the death of the walking me, mm-hmm. and mourning the death of what our life used to look like. That that, that there, it's not like that anymore. And the permanency of the event really started to settle in, and we started to really feel like this is what our life is now. Yeah, and there's and,
1: no rewind; can't go back.
0: Yeah, and and there was just so much shock about that. And there was some denial. For me, denial was, I am not going to be part of that wheelchair community. That's not me. Yeah, I'm not playing wheelchair basketball. I'm not one of them. I'm going to return to my normal life. It's just I'm going to be in a chair. And and I'm not part of the wheelchair community. I'm not one of them. And I was just in denial of the fact that uh, you are now. Mm -hmm. Like whether you like it or not or whether you realize it or not, you are now. And then your denial looked different.
1: Yeah. Mine, I had hope that maybe he would be able to walk again. Mm -hmm. But then I also had the opposite of that of fear of he's never going to walk again. Like that's not what I thought was going to be our story.
0: Like you've said, that denial kind of came out as anxiety for you.
1: Oh, yeah. Big time.
0: And... You you experienced a lot of denial-fueled anxiety of what's going to happen? Like what is what is our life going to look like now and where are we headed? Like that we just didn't really – we were still trying to hone in our compass and find our true north of where are we headed. Yeah. Because we felt like we were on a real straight trajectory and then all of a sudden we got thrown way off course. Yeah. And it just really threw us. um And we were just kind of in denial of of that.
1: Well, and I think we've both voiced later on, but at the time, I don't think we realized we were really walking zombies. Mm -hmm. We were just kind of going through the motions of a day. Yeah. Knowing that we both needed to go to work because you were starting to go back to work part-time. I was back at work teaching, but it, it didn't feel like we were all there. Yeah. And I even had anxiety attacks in the shower before I even went to work. Mm-hmm. And it's actually something Johnny didn't know about until recently in the past few years. Because I didn't want him to feel that or feel any worse about our situation. So I think that's why it always happened in the shower because...
0: That was like your chance to get alone. Yeah. Because we were with each other all the time. Yeah. And that was like your one chance to kind of break away and yeah, actually I guess get that's why alone it with your thoughts.
1: Yeah, but I remember like having such a hard time... Catching my breath, mm-hmm. and I like just would have to stand under the warm water and just breathe and just tell myself, "You got to breathe, you got to breathe," because you have to get out of the shower at some point. You can't stay in here. Yeah. And but I knew the moment I had to step out of the shower, I had to get ready to go to work.
0: You had to step back into what your new reality. Yeah. Like it, that was like your temporary escape from reality, and both of us were holding that from each other. Yeah. I had these anxieties, and I had these um this this shock that. I didn't want to put that burden on you because I felt like there was already enough burden on you. But then you also didn't want to put that burden on me because you felt I was So both of us were going through this (laughs) at the time and both of us were holding that from each other because we didn't want to put more burdens on each other. It's really amazing looking back now and looking at how we went through that zombie shock phase and that denial phase. And we weren't able to put words with that. Until we met with a counselor,
1: mm-hmm. until
0: we saw the need for a counselor. Yes, you know we. The accident happened in September. We got out of the hospital in October. We got into our new house in December. We started meeting with a counselor. I think January or February. Mm-hmm. So there was there was only a few months there, but in those few months, we were just lost. We didn't have words to put with these emotions, and we really didn't know what these emotions were. We just knew we were feeling them. Yeah. And we didn't know how to process that and how to really relate to each other with them. We were both kind of in our own silos with our own emotions because we didn't want to burden each other with them. Yeah,
1: we were kind of a bag of emotions because I remember just little things would kind of set us off emotionally that normally wouldn't bother us. Like I remember, and I hope this is okay with you sharing, babe, that Johnny is like a super organizer, super like clean, needs things in places to feel calm. So I remember there was one day I struggle with that because I'm a little scatterbrained.
0: We balance each other. But I appreciate his organizational
1: brain. Um, Yeah, we, we give and take in that. But I remembered this bookcase in our room. Do you remember this story? Yes. I have a bookcase in this room. And all of a sudden I see he is struggling and I'm like, uh oh, what happened? What is going on? And he literally, this is so out of character for him, starts tearing up and I'm like, oh no, what happened? <laughs> and it's the bookcase.
0: Yeah. It's
1: driving him nuts because the books were not put straight. I just kind of threw them in there, you know, yeah. like not organized at all. And. It Like, it was such an eye-opener to me of, like, you just needed some calm. You were feeling so overwhelmed, so the bookcase kind of took the heat of it. And, like, I just remember us having, like, situations like that. Like, things that wouldn't normally take him to that extreme took him to that extreme. And I think yeah. it was because if you think of a battery charged, we were never really fully charged for the day. Mm-hmm. We were just enough to get the remote control moving. Yeah. And hopefully that kind of gives you an idea of like that zombie-like type thing kind of sets you off in these weird emotions that you just don't really even know what you're doing.
0: Yeah, because if you don't get down and process those emotions right away, they're going to come out sideways in all different ways. Yeah. They're going to come out sideways in weird things like bookshelves. and And that was just my obsessive compulsiveness coming out sideways because I was dealing with all of this denial and shock. And, you know, like we talk about, the, it's kind of like a pizza dough where you spread you stretch that pizza dough out you stretch it and stretch it and stretch it and all of a sudden you start seeing holes pop up and those were the thin weak parts of the dough and like we talked about that shock that shock stretches you and stretches you and those emotions stretch you and eventually mm-hmm. holes start to pop up and a lot of those a lot of those weak points in your dough and a lot of those thin areas of your dough start start to show themselves as that trauma begins to be processed. And what we've realized is we sometimes need someone to hold a mirror in front of us and show us where our weak points are. Because mm-hmm. a lot of times we aren't aware of them. A lot of times they're, they stem from family of origin stuff, stuff from when you were a kid, stuff that goes way back that you have just suppressed and buried or really didn't even know affected you. But then all of a sudden you go through a trauma and you get stretched and your dough gets stretched and all of a sudden holes start popping up. And usually those holes stem from something in your past that has now surfaced in this mm-hmm. time when you're stretched so thin. And sure. I think that for us, that was counseling. And we and we are huge proponents of counseling. Mm-hmm. Um, he was so good at depicting what was happening um, in our own heads. Mm-hmm. And I believe what a counselor does is holds a mirror in front of you so you can get a true refre- re- reflection of yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, we talked about community last time. and They, if, if,
1: they also let you see um, reality.
0: Right. Whether you like it or not. Yeah. You know, the reality is sometimes, sometimes hard to see. Yeah. And like we talked about community last time, the people that are in your inner circle sometimes aren't the best mirror because they've got a lot of emotion tied up into this.
1: Mm-hmm. They
0: have a lot of baggage with you. You guys grew up together or have a lot of life experiences together and that skews the, the reflection that you receive from them. So a counselor allows you to truly get that outside view and truly allow you to see the reflection of yourself and an honest reflection of yourself, not one of those funhouse mirrors that distorts it, but a true right. honest reflection of yourself and you yeah. see your own reality. This is a true testament to us and our work at counseling, and this takes work. Um, and we, you know, we put in a lot of work and a lot of counseling time to get, I feel, to this point where we, where we able able to understand what happened and able to talk about it. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And just to kind of go with the pizza, because I got to throw a pun in uh, there. Yeah. That life is crusty.
0: Yeah, life. <laughs> yeah. There's that. You know. So there's the pun of the episode.
1: <laughs> I think sometimes. <laughs>
0: I don't know a big stretch. <laughs> that is, oh!
1: oh, didn't even see that one coming.
0: Boy, <laughs> oh, that was a stretch. <laughs> so really, that's what, you know, when we say this episode, the title of this episode is When the Dust Settles, that's what we're talking about is that first image you see when the dust settles after your trauma and you first start getting that perspective of what life looked like before and what life looked like after that trauma. Mm-hmm. The shock of that and how that can be shown and how that can get processed through through you.
1: And don't you think in this stage, it's important to let the dust settle? Mm-hmm. I In your shock, you can sometimes try to keep busy. Mm-hmm. Because what I think and visualize in, in my head is that when the dust settles, there's also quiet that goes with it. Mm-hmm. And so you got to be willing to be quiet with the dust.
0: Yeah.
1: um, So that you can see. When you let the quiet happen, and allowing the quiet to happen, you you're gonna let yourself move forward.
0: Yeah. Well, and I think also taking the time to dig out the rubble. If they would have gone in right after that, uh, right after those planes hit, right after those planes, the buildings went down, and just started building without getting all of the rubble out. And all of that stuff underneath. And like what we're saying, all those emotions that are going on underneath there. And they haven't moved all that out and gotten down to some solid ground. They couldn't have built a a strong foundation for the building that they're going to build. And they have to go do the hard work of digging through there and clearing all that out and getting down to a strong foundation that you can build something on. And And, I I think that's what counseling is.
1: Yeah. And I think you can't see clearly until the dust does come down.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So on that note, um, we really appreciate you guys tuning in and listening to this podcast. Um, we encourage you to subscribe so you know when future episodes come out. Uh, we really, would really, really love it if you shared this with a friend, shared it with somebody that you think might benefit from it. And we just thank you for being an audience and giving us some of your time. And we hope that this has been beneficial for you. And we'll catch you next time.